Good morning. My name's Paul. I'm pastor here. If we'd get the lights up, that would be great. Where's our guy? Steve, I'll let you take care of that. <laughs> we're sparse in our tech booth this morning, so we're uh, doing some double duty. There we go. Thank you, Gord. Um, my name's Paul, pastor here. I was on vacation the last couple of weeks. If you've started attending in the last couple of weeks, I'm back. So um, we're going to pray in a moment, but what I wanted to do was give you a heads up that uh, we like to be a little more participatory in our services. So in when I'm done praying, I'm going to ask you to talk to the person you came with or in little groups of three or four. You don't have to if you'd rather just sit there and, uh, and reflect. But I'm going to ask you to remember a time when it just felt like God was guiding you or directing you and helping you. And then when we're done praying, I'm going to give you some opportunity to just share with each other about a time when God was at work in your life in that way. Okay? So we can pray in lots of different ways. And sometimes what I like to do is write out my prayers. And so in preparing for today, I just felt compelled that I would write out a prayer that we could, um, you could follow along just by listening, but I wanted to pray it for us this morning. And part of the prayer is really around this idea and this background of remembering. And throughout the scriptures, God regularly tells his people, remember, look back and see where God was at work. So this prayer this morning is partly to help us remember and then to prepare us for just sharing a story with each other to encourage each other by remembering together how God's been at work in our lives. So pray with me. Our Lord and God, you have always guided your people to live and to be for your glory. You guided your servant Abraham to leave his homeland and settle in Canaan. You guided Joseph down to Egypt, and through trial and tribulation, he became the leader of a nation. You guided Moses through his impetuousness and his doubt. Through his weakness, you used him to deliver your people from bondage and slavery. You guided David to be a man after your own heart and to be a righteous king over your people Israel. You provided your spirit of guidance for the prophets of Israel to call her back to yourself, to repent and return to the covenant that they had with you. And through your Holy Spirit, you guided your son Jesus to fulfill what could not happen through all those others. You guided Jesus to his full glory on the cross to show the world the extent of your love. And through his resurrection, he was vindicated as both king and Lord, and now he continues to reign with you and the Holy Spirit forever. And since that time, you have guided your people, the church, as we have learned to follow the breath of the Spirit of Christ. And throughout history, you have shown yourself always faithful to lead your people into greater glory as we have learned to surrender to you and live the Jesus way. And you likewise have shown yourself faithful to this congregation. For those who began this ministry in Collingwood so long ago, you proved faithful, guiding them and leading them through the years. You brought us to 6th Street, 
And there we ministered to the region through your faithful followers. And then you provided this current land for us to be our meeting place, to be the center point for the gift of loving each other, for worshiping you, and for being a light to all around us. You directed us and provided for us as we worked together with our brothers and sisters from other congregations. And may you continue to bless them as you have blessed us. God, we thank you for your faithfulness, even though we have not always been faithful to you. We thank you for your continued guidance through the decades. We are so grateful for your faithful servants, pastors and leaders who have given themselves to this congregation in joy and in gentle love. And today we thank you for our brother Dale Shaw and his wife Anne-Marie, for the vision you gave them and for their willingness and sacrifice to lead this congregation to this place. And we are still receiving from that legacy. Continue to encourage Dale as he serves you even now. Open his eyes to greater awareness of your love for him and the glory you want to share with him. Use him today to encourage us and inspire us to remember your guiding hand throughout the decades. Heavenly Father, thank you. We bless you because you have remained faithful in your direction and provision for us all these years, even recently through the generosity of your people in the WOW Summer Offering. And we give ourselves to you today to follow you and worship you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So on long weekends, we give our uh, children's volunteers a break, and that means that this is a family service and that the kids are in with us. And parents, I just want to remind you, uh, if your kids get restless and a little bit loud, uh, we have some people with duct tape. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I want you to be relaxed about um, if the kids are having a hard time. You know, if they're getting too crazy, sure, um, just bring them into the lobby or the nursery or something, but um, don't be too hard on the kids if they're a bit fidgety, okay? We're good with that, and the rest of us are all going to understand, right? Yeah. It is my privilege this morning to, um, to invite Dale Shaw to, to come up, and we're going to do something different today. Dale and I are going to have a bit of an interview conversation, and we're going to let you uh, listen in on that, and then Dale's going to share some. And uh, Dale has been uh, someone that's very influential in my life. When I started out in ministry, Dale was at that time what we called the, the Bishop of the Canadian Conference of the BIC, uh, sometimes also known as an executive director or a national director. And he was instrumental in, in I don't know if you remember or not, but you were instrumental in helping me get to uh, my first full-time church at Kitchener. And uh, so I think, you, I think you pulled some strings and paid some people off to hire me. And, uh, so, but do you know when I met you first? At Niagara Camp. Niagara Camp, yeah. I met this young guy. Your sister was working with uh, Penny, right? Yep. She was working with, I think, youth or something. And then this guy came in. He just wrecked his car. Yep, I did. Uh, Duster? Uh, I can't remember. Some Chrysler yeah, product, yeah. anyway. Yeah, they should have been taken off the market long before you, you bought those, you know. But uh, anyway, he a comes Dodge in. A Dodge Aspen, that's what it was. Uh, what yeah. was it? A Dodge Aspen. Dodge Aspen. Better than oh, any Ford. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Dale has an ongoing joke about Fords and Chevys and oh, things like no, that. Sorry, no, Dale. It's no joke. Yeah. 
Anyway, on to the next thing. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Yeah. So, but I remember thinking this Paul guy has a passion for ministry, and you you were saying, you know, you thought I'd like to be a pastor, and yeah. I thought the odds were against you. Yeah. You know. So, <laughs> you know. Not, not so much abilities, but, uh, yeah. So. so just after the service, no comment. <laughs> Have a seat, okay. Dale. Good. Um, yeah. Okay. So I asked Dale to send me a few other things, and I thought you might find this uh, interesting about Dale, that he's been in ministry for 55 years, and he has served in roles such as pastor and executive director, um, Canadian bishop, here uh, for many years, uh, back in the 90s. What you, some of you who know Dale may not know that he's a licensed auctioneer. So if you need a sermon in um, four minutes, he can deliver. So um, he's recently the CEO of Building Bridges Foundation in Conestoga, PA, Pennsylvania. It's a ministry to veterans with PTSD. And then in your spare time, which I know you just got back from, you and Anne-Marie uh, like to help out your son by delivering and driving across Canada and the U.S. Um, is it RVs that you will deliver to customers yeah. um, through your son's yeah, business? We were, so, yeah, we were fresh home from Salt Lake City last Saturday night to Indiana, and then we picked up another one on Tuesday and drove it to Canton, Ohio, and come back to our house in Fort Erie, and then drove up here yesterday. So, so not a bad part-time gig. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're looking for drivers. Our son Darren. Some of you'd remember Darren. He was uh, four when we moved here in 1974, and he oversees 2,800 drivers that deliver motorhomes and RVs. And they're always looking for Canadians that'll come down and uh, drive motorhomes. So, yeah. So, Dale. Uh, You've pastored in the area, and we'll get to here in a moment, but I think you had a stint at Six Line Church up the road, and was that in the late 70s? That was the biggest gamble Six Line Church ever, ever made. You know, Les is here somewhere, and he was on the church board when uh, they invited, they, they were having a little bit of an internal uh, concern. They wanted somebody from outside the denomination to come and uh, be there for one year, so... Uh, they invited Anne-Marie and I, and we said, well, yeah, we'll go for a year. Actually, we drove up on a Sunday afternoon, looked through the windows, and thought, this might not be a bad place to come for a year. And then that went into three, and then uh, uh, Bishop Roy Sider uh, came to us and said, uh, Collingwood is thinking about closing. They're 50 years old, about 13 people. And uh, so we wondered if you'd want to go there, and uh, we said no. We don't want to go there. And then uh, we got thinking about it, met with him again, and said, yeah, why don't we give it a try? So that was 1974. Okay. So, but but some really great people, Osborne's and uh, Osborne's and Baker's and uh, uh, Betty McEachern and uh, Jean Reed, uh, Waddell family, um, and there's others that I'm forgetting. And that was sort of the beginning of the, the congregation we had. So, on yeah. 6th Street, on, yeah. building's gone now, yeah. right beside the, quote, new church we built. Yeah. And uh, there was an old building there that had been a storefront, uh, and it would seat about 35 people. 
Uh, and uh, so, yeah, this isn't hanging on yeah, my ears. Steve, I got can we get too many equipment in my you? ears, so yeah. I might need the other one. We're yeah. going to get you a handheld, Dale. Okay. So Good. I just realized I forgot something as well. This is how my brain works. It's here in my notes, and I'm all ready for it. And so we are going to remember a little bit together. Dale's ears here. But while Steve's getting the microphone, I realized, like, I already forgot to ask you to just share with the people beside you. This welcome to my head. Um, so I want to give you some opportunity just for a few minutes. Talk about a time when God guided you, directed you, provided for you, was faithful to you. And you might think like, like now, yes, now you can talk to the person beside you, behind you. You can, if you don't want to talk to somebody, just pull your phone out. That'll tell them, leave me alone. Um, and, and we'll just, I'll invite you back after you've been sharing for a little while. Okay. All right, we'll get your attention back up here at the front. <laughs> Once you let the genie out of the bottle, right? So, And let me encourage you, if I interrupted your conversation, there's nothing stopping you from having that after the service and continuing to enjoy and remember. Now, Dale, I had said that you pastored at Six Line Church, but partly why you're here today is because you also pastored here at this congregation, and someone in our congregation did a little bit of work in their archives, and we found a couple photographs of you and your family from this time here that we wanted to show you on the wall back here. So there is Dale there with the arrow and Anne-Marie and their two boys that are with them. And they're actually in the groundbreaking ceremony for this site, the, the current part of the site. And then I think we have another photo a little closer up. There is the good-looking young couple. of Dale. You remember that, Dale? Now that I see the picture, yes. I do. Yes, right. So uh -huh. when, when was that? When did you begin pastoring here at uh, New Life Church? When? When did you begin your ministry here at New Life? Um, the summer of 1974. Yeah. We came here and uh, uh, didn't know what to do at first, you know, because uh, um, it was a... Uh, I mean, some of, you, some of you might remember the building. We called it the Sugar Shack. I don't know if some of you remember. Bob and Ellie know. And I understand Marlene's back there someplace and uh, maybe Roy and so forth. So we started in there and uh, Luann Swallow and Anne led the music. And uh, they weren't very good. But, <laughs> but they, they did it because there was nobody else. And then... And then a friend, Ken Applin from Own Sound, phoned me and said, there's a family moving to Collingwood, and you need to visit them. And their name were the Linton family. And so uh, I visited them, and then we were away the following Sunday, and some of you remember Bishop E.J. Swallow. He preached that Sunday, and the Linton family came to church. I visited them again the following week, and they said, we're going to come to... Uh, to uh, um, what we call the church back then? I guess just calling with Brethren of Christ. I can't remember. It had been the Tunker Mission. There, it, is that old sign around here somewhere? Not that I know of. There, there, it was, there for a while there was an old sign, the Tunker Mission or something like that. And the Linton family came and incredible music came with them. Uh, some of you remember that Doug Guy. He, he played the piano like. Um, 
oh, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, <clears throat> like, like, and he looked all over the place and smiled, and uh, there was just a warmth about Doug, and then Marlene and the girls, they played instruments, and uh, that really brought the little congregation alive. And uh, then within a year, we built the present building that uh, the dental office is in, and that seemed so big. We moved in there with about 35 people. It would seat 140. I remember the first Sunday on the platform thinking, I'll never get used to this building, you know? But we soon got comfortable, and of course, outgrew that and, um, and sold it to Zombrak, the dentist, and then uh, moved into one of the schools, Mountain View School, not Mountain View, cannot, I can't remember which school it was, uh, for services, bought this land and started planning for this building. If you're familiar with Collingwood, there's a dental office on 6th Street, and that used to be the, the building that we met in <coughs> as a congregation before we moved here. So, Dale, what year did we move to this site here at 28 Tracy Lane? This move here? Yeah. And I think it was 85. We left in 84. Yeah. Okay. And so the, the, the plans were in place, not for this. This is the most incredible Brethren in Christ Church in Canada facility-wise, without a doubt, no doubt about it. It's just incredible. So we had planned for this basic structure here, and uh, but but you guys uh, and others that have passed on have added to it, and this is the most incredible structure we've got. There's there are there's a, well, a larger one, but nothing as nice as this, and uh, you got lots of room to grow back again. So so. But some, some things that happened uh, that, um, um, that at New Life that were so, so tremendous, sacrifice. You know, um, uh, Bob and Ellie gave a set of gold coins. We had a, a sacrificial auction because we had no money. And we put up a big uh, ribbon in the, in the welcome center vestibule. And uh, we needed money. We called it ketchup. I think, did we have a ketchup bottle? I can't remember. And we, we had an auction sale, and people gave not their junk, their leftover, but good stuff, you know. And we sold it and uh, uh, kept our operational going. And uh, I think we owed $80,000 on the new building that we built and worked at, at making sure we had the payments in place. And there was just incredible commitment. And as people came in, they, they bought into that commitment. And, uh, or we would never have moved to buy this seven acres of land and so forth. So, What were some of the highlights of ministry while you were here pastoring this congregation? Um, well, one of the highlights is that they put up with me. That was one of the biggest ones, you know. You know, one of my favorite verses is that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And when I look back at some of the things I've been a part of, I think, wow, it gives me chills down my, my back. And certainly Collingwood is one of them. It helped establish us. One of the highlights was the encouragement that people gave us to, um, to uh, gain knowledge and come home and put it in place, you know. Uh, uh, at one point, we were told about Schuller's workshop in California, uh, Robert Schuller with the Crystal Cathedral. It wasn't built back then. We went to the credit union and borrowed $2,000, and Anne Marie and I went to California and attended that seminar, changed our life and changed our ministry. We come home and, and discovered the power 
of people in the pew. And that was one of the most outstanding changes. We Pretty soon we had a lay ministry of pastoral care with uh, about seven couples, and they did visitation and uh, uh, cared for uh, sick people and so forth. And, uh, uh, yeah, so the, the, the power of people in the pew was something we gained from that. A bunch of other things, too, that's changed me ever since. I think I grew up in a conservative Pilgrim Holiness Church, and uh, I didn't know how uh, unchurched people really thought. But Anne-Marie didn't grow up in a church. She became a Christian. She was 18. We met at Bible college, and so she was, was trying to educate me. But when we went to Schuler's, uh, he added to that, and I saw that... People didn't understand the base uh, of Christianity like I did, and I had to change the way that I communicated. One time, we had uh, Henry Ginder was one of our bishops. He came as a special speaker, and uh, so uh, we had him for maybe uh, several days anyway. Oh, one thing about that is that he had a glass of water on the podium, and so he got up to speak one night and went to take a drink from a glass of water. There's two goldfish in the glass. <laughs> Some of you know Glenn Gasho? Well, Glenn Gasho put the goldfish in the, in the cup. <laughs> anyway, so he, he gave a, a great message on sanctification. And at the end of it, one of our new guys said, uh, I understand sanctification now, but what do you mean by justification? And so we realized people don't understand those words, you know, that we had to help them understand justification is getting right before God, you know. And uh, unchurched people, uh, certainly God gave us enough people with uh, um, a background spiritually to help, um, um, to help the growth of people that were coming in that didn't have a background, you know, so... What were some of the challenges that you faced? Finances, you know, uh, like uh, we, we um, uh, I think we got $115 a week. Uh, that was a challenge for us, but it was, it was all the congregation could do at that time, and they struggled to do that. Uh, personal finances were difficult. Uh, church finances were difficult, but it did bring us together well. And the church... Uh, the church was um, generous in any way they could be, you know, with us. So, but I think that was one of the greatest things. And then, of course, our adapt, uh, our ability to adapt to help uh, unchurched people understand the basics of, of, and you know, and that's even more so today. I, I we couldn't we couldn't believe it when we drove up here yesterday and looked down Tracy Lane. Wow. All those new houses out there, you know. How many of those people know anything about the Bible? I don't mean just the stories, but the facts of the Bible. The only thing that makes sense today is the story from Scripture, you know. Like, like people that are taught stuff in school today and so forth, and I say, you really believe that, where would all this come from? There's got to be an intelligent designer someplace, you know. Most people haven't even thought that through, you know. And so you've got a, you've got a challenge, Paul, you know, and you know that. Yeah. We do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So. 
I'd, I'd like it if you could tell us about your vision for this land. One of your gifts in ministry has been yeah. just your, your ability to cast vision. So yeah. could you tell us the story about yeah. you had someone here with you and you told them about yeah. this land? That's, that's a, a tremendous miracle. Um, we, uh, as we got, as our church got full and we, we bought a, 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 a portable school room and moved it in behind the, what's now the dental clinic. And we had the old building and then we bought the house on 6th Street beside it. We bought the house back on 5th Street as well. And, uh, uh, we were, we had parking problems and, uh, we had, uh, I think we were running 170, 100 and something like that at that time. And we knew we needed to do something. What are we going to do? So we started looking for land. But immediately, and I don't remember what, what drew my attention to this property, but something did. So I drove in the driveway, and Mr. Tracy's out working in his implement shed out here. And I stopped the car and told him who I was and said... Uh, uh, Mr. Tracy, we're, we're going to need to buy land to build a church. And so uh, uh, I've been driving by this. This, How big is this property you got? He said, seven acres. And he was doing market gardening. And I said, uh, would you consider selling it? He said, well, you know, I've often thought this would be a good place for a church, but no, I'm not ready to sell it. And so I exchanged some pleasantries, went on my way, uh, and came back a, a maybe a month later, and said, Mr. Tracy, what do you think about selling this property, you know? And then I got the idea that God wanted us to have this land. And uh, I think we started talking about that as a congregation, but nothing was happening, and time was going by. So we looked at a land, a piece of property, a larger piece, down the other side of the hospital. And uh, we, we got ready to say, let's buy that land instead. But I didn't feel good about it. Anyway, it was going to cost us $200,000 to bring in the utilities to that property, plus purchasing the land. But we were having a council meeting to determine to vote as a congregation if we would go ahead and buy that land. And that morning I woke up and I said, and I got to go see Mr. Tracy again. So I went out to see Mr. Tracy and he said, I'll sell the land. And so while people were coming for the Congregational Council to vote on the one beside the hospital, Mr. Tracy and his son and uh, Paul Shaw, the lawyer, uh, and us, I don't remember whoever needed to be there, were in the old the sugar shack and we were signing papers giving the people an option. <clears throat> so we opened up the meeting and had two options. And they voted to go for this property instead, and Mr. Tracy sold us the land. Incredible. You know, I think it was $70,000, if I remember right, uh, $10,000 an acre, which was a good deal even back then. Imagine what this property is worth today. So, I don't know if you remember, but uh, a mutual friend of ours told me the story, Glenn Robitaille, uh, that... He was here with you one day, and you were showing him this land, okay. and you said to him, Glenn, the farmer who owns this property is going to sell us this land. Yeah. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that stuck with him, and I think that speaks to kind of uh, how you were as a leader. Yeah. 
uh, in inspiring people. And, you know, we have been through, like every other church, you know, uh, challenging times through COVID and and moving on. And so for the remainder of this morning, I wanted to just give you the opportunity to share whatever words God has put on your heart for our encouragement. And uh, and just thank you for uh, remembering with us like this and want to give you the time to share whatever it is God's put on your heart. Okay, Paul. Well, that's, I got so many thoughts running through my mind, it's hard to know where to go. <clears throat> but I think I want to I think I want to just talk a little bit about Gideon. Uh, Gideon is a marvelous example of who we are. Uh, if you remember the story of Gideon, we remember the big part of it. Maybe we don't remember the small of it. Gideon's Gideon's whole theme was uh, in all of Israel, my family is the most dysfunctional. And I'm the most dysfunctional of all the family. So God came to him and said, I want you to um, deliver deliver the Israelites from the Midianites, not the Mennonites. You know, Mennonites came from Germany, but the Midianites came from Midian, okay. And so, uh, so Gideon said, I can't do this. Look who I am. You know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the worst, I, I got no gifts, I got nothing to give. And you know what, they were, they were in a COVID situation. They were hiding from the Midianites. They would uh, plant their farms and, and uh, try and get their crops off, and the Midianites would come in and steal them all. So after, I think it was seven or 11 years, they, they're starving to death. They need to do something. So the one time God came to Midian, <coughs> Midian's... Excuse me. He's got his grain in a grape press, hiding it, while he tramps on it and uh, and separates the hulls and the and the stalks from the grain. And God said, uh, uh, "I want you to lead them." So so Gideon came out of the cave that they were living in long enough to uh, to uh, meet with God anyway. And uh, some of you some of you know the story. If not, you can preach on it some Sunday, Paul about how uh, they took a big bunch of people and narrowed it down to a few people, and the Midianites were outnumbered them, I think it was 400 to 1, you know. They were scared and they were hiding 400 to 1. And so they, they, um, they uh, attacked the Midianites with a uh, pitcher and uh, a trumpet and a torch in the picture, and they surrounded the camp, and they sounded their trumpets, probably uh, sheep's horn, whatever, you know, and they broke the pitchers, and all of a sudden there's light, and the Midianites are in confusion. They started slaughtering everybody, even each other, because they were so, um, so overwhelmed, and they ran off in the future, and Israel existed, you know. And I'm thinking right now, that's sort of the situation in most communities, is that a lot of churches have have an incredible defeat. And uh, we hid through COVID. We didn't, maybe we didn't want to, you know. And uh, a lot of churches had struggles because some people thought they were too conservative and others thought they were too liberal and, uh, and so forth, all over, all over 
probably North America, but especially Canada. And so we hid from it, and now we're coming out of that, you know. And uh, we need to be stronger and more aggressive than, than ever. Don't be defeated, you know. Don't be down, you know. Uh, the, 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 the community out there is looking for something solid to pin their future on. And families are a mess. You know that. They're a mess, you know. Uh, young people are a mess, you know. They need something solid because they don't know why they're here. They don't know what their purpose is, you know. They don't know where they're going, you know. Maybe some of your families are like that too, you know. And uh, they, need, they need energy. They need passion. Um, they need, um, they need um, uh, uh, to realize their incredible potential. And that's got to be the message, you know. I think that, that all churches should open up uh, their congregation to everything that they can in the community just to get people on the property and realize that, that you're, not, you're nobody to be afraid of. And uh, probably people need uh, a whole series of uh, lessons in apologetics, Paul. You know, just to understand um, the scripture and why it's true and what should be um, followed today. Um, we need to understand the mindset of people out there. You know, uh, the, the, the kind of things we do in church aren't the kind of things the community uh, understand at all, you know. And uh, um, it reminds me back, you know, music's always been one of the big things, you know. And... Uh, um, if you, if you ask like our granddaughters, uh, we've got, we've got four of them, 21, uh, 17, 10, and, um, seven. And I'm amazed at their listening to music from the seventies and eighties. You know, I think, wow, what, what's up? I say, you wouldn't know this piece. Oh, yeah, we know that piece, you know. So there's a whole change in music. Well, most of us are listening to, uh, to uh, music from uh, <clears throat> today that's coming out of England and Australia and so forth, you know. And our younger people are listening to some of the stuff from the 80s and 90s, you know. And so how do we understand the mindset of the communities around in order to communicate the gospel effectively for them in a language they can understand? You want to say anything? <laughs> What's that? I didn't hear you. I say, oh, hey, you're, you're, you're maybe, uh, worst, the worst detriment I've got is my hearing next to my memory anyway. But, but uh, uh, I said, did you want to say anything about that? Do you want to ask any questions, you know? Um, no. We, we have, we, Henry and I have had an incredible opportunity to visit congregations all over North America. <clears throat> and uh, we're just, we're trying to glean what it is that uh, is, uh, is communicating the gospel of, of Jesus today, you know. And uh, it's, it's really interesting to see what people are trying. And churches are, I think churches are the committed people that know that salvation is real and so is eternity, are trying in every way they can uh, to reach out into community uh, and, and struggling to discover what the key is in uh, 2023. It's certainly different than 1974. There's no doubt about it, you know. And uh, But we have to find that key because the community so desperately needs the church. And they don't know it, you know. And uh, But, you know, 
Each of you are, are Gideons. Um, you need to realize how important you are. Paul, you realize how important you are? You probably don't. You're, you're really important, you know? And people, people um, need to be in touch with you, have a relationship with you, and I think you're a very relational person, you know? I think that's extremely important. And they need you. They need you to talk to their neighbors. Somebody said, you know, we used to have porches on the front of our house. Now everything happens in the backyard, you know, no porches on the front, hardly. Well, Ann and I sit out in the front of ours and say hello. We're in a little circle with 10 houses in a circle down near Fort Erie, uh, between Niagara Falls and Fort Erie. And we sit out in the front and say hello to people. But most people are in their backyard, you know. And so how do you get to these people that are sort of hiding from community? But it's incredibly important that you get to know your neighbors and, and do what you can do. You know, maybe you say, well, I, I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know how to talk about the Bible. I don't know how to, you know, well, just do what you can do. Maybe it's saying, God bless you, you know. Um, maybe it's saying, I'll pray for you. And sometimes people are shocked when you say that. But whatever you can do, you're supposed to do. Because God will open the door if you walk through it. It may be, well, maybe just a little bit of a window. Maybe a door. He'll, he'll, he'll open those opportunities if you'll decide, I'll just do what I can do. So pray every morning, God, help me to see the open window, the open door, and walk through it. What's our time like? Oh, our time's gone. It's amazing. Yeah. So, so what I would like to ask you to do, and I didn't tell you this beforehand... Yeah. But I was wondering if, as a former pastor, as a man who has walked with God for many, many years, if you would pray a prayer of blessing mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. our congregation. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to invite you, if you're here for the first time and you're just visiting, you're part of the congregation today. So yeah. I'm going to invite you to stand. And Dale, would you stand and just pray a prayer of blessing over us? Pray a prayer over you guys. Yes. I can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Father in heaven, we're so excited to be here and see this incredible facility that you've put together with the commitment of so many people. And I can mention names, uh, lots and lots of names, but since 84 when we left here, there have been a lot of people that come here and put themselves into this congregation. Lord, this congregation, like a lot of others, has been through a rough time recently with this uh, COVID situation, and it's separated people and, and caused confusion and turmoil, and uh, we know that it's caused some to New Life Church, too. But, Lord, this church has an incredible future. Uh, it's needed so badly. You didn't bring Israel to the point of Gideon uh, to have them uh, get defeated by the Midianites and die. And you brought them through that. <clears throat> and even today, they're a powerful nation. And from that, of course, came uh, Jesus Christ and uh, the, the message of new life for all of us. And so we believe that this is the beginning of a new day for New Life Church and that you will uh, encourage each one of us to examine anew uh, who we are Give us the strength to be what you have called us to do. 
help each and every person here to uh, uh, to realize their own value, their own worth, how much you you need them to be involved in spreading the word, even if it's just a word or two words. Sometimes it might be a sentence. It may lead to a paragraph or a long conversation. But Lord, help every person here to commit themselves to. Um, to speak a word of encouragement and help and a word about you. Lord, we, we, um, we know that uh, times are, are coming to a close. It's, uh, we're following scripture and we see what Daniel and Revelation have to say to us. It's very important that we reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ to as many people as we can. Help us not to be defeated by the enemy and the concerns of this time. But give us the strength to be what you want us to be here at New Life Church in Collingwood. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dale, thank you so much for today. Oh, Can we just give Dale me. a hand? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah.